Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. The movies this week are The Boneyard and Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town, a classic feminist epic. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Does anyone know how to eliminate the password login for Windows 10? No. I still have to use mine. Yeah. You can shorten it into a PIN number. That makes your life easier. Yeah. No, my keyboard's fucked, so I need it to go away entirely. Oh. Well, then oh. no. <laughs> so what you're saying is you need a keyboard for Christmas. Well, I already ordered a USB keyboard, but something about the way my keyboard is fucked causes the password to be filled in with some very, very long sequence of numbers that I cannot prevent. Mm-hmm. Understand. It's really weird. That's so it takes right. me like... To get into my computer takes about 10 minutes because I have to go in and delete this very, very long sequence of numbers. And then do the on-screen keyboard to type in my password. That's really fucking funny. Do you? Not do really. You? No, it's not at all. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's it sucks. Funny but, it's also, but it's also really fucking funny. <laughs> do you have a wireless keyboard? No, it's. I got one coming. I oh, okay. One the other day. I was gonna say, if that's the problem, just turn your keyboard off when you're done. But. That doesn't help. <clears throat> I don't know how to turn my keyboard off either. You don't keep you don't keep a spare keyboard. I don't have a spare anything. His house burned down, Noah. Son. Well, he bought a new computer. You should have bought an extra keyboard. <laughs> the stupid thing is, I bought a wireless mouse when I bought my new computer, just because I don't like the mouse pad on the computer. <laughs> and at the time, I was like, should I get one of those combo things? And I'm like, no. What would I need a keyboard for? Well, there you go. Yeah, I usually keep a uh, like a cheap wired shit keyboard just on hand in case of keyboard emergencies. Yeah. Yeah, I would just burn your keyboard to the ground. Seems like it worked for the last one year. Yeah, fuck yeah. Get that keyboard insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's it's literally one of those scenarios, too, where I'm pretty sure there was a six-month warranty on this computer, and it's like six months and two days old, and the keyboard just is fucked now. I'm kind of surprised it isn't longer than that. You'd think it'd have a year or something. Yeah, I, I gotta look into it more, but I went to their website, and it has a thing where you just, like, it searches your computer, and it pulled it up and said, not under warranty. So. <laughs> All those motherfuckers. We get those uh, phone calls all the time here in the States for people to extend their warranty. Maybe you should have done we that. We get those. I've heard about those, but we don't, we don't really get them. 
<laughs> That's probably because you guys have fucking laws regulating that shit. Probably. Yeah. I just heard it was from a reliable article on the internet, so I'm sure it's totally 100% true that they have uh, determined that it is now legal for collection departments to like message you on Facebook and stuff. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently they can text you, they can uh, message you on Facebook. I mean, I had, uh, re- really, one of the few things that it's absolutely illegal for them to do, they do constantly. So I don't think it fucking matters. <laughs> it's true. You know, they're not supposed I, to block their number. They're supposed to always let you know that it's a collection agency and they all yeah. block their number anyway. Yeah. I know up here, we I had a buddy who uh, they started calling his family members instead of him. And he's like, that's... I don't even know how they got my family members numbers, but that's blatantly illegal. And then he's like, what do I do about it? And I'm like, I have no idea. I agree with you. It's illegal. I don't know what to do about it. Pay the bill. (laughs) Well, that's, that would be the option. Yeah. Uh, friend of mine. I had one where, uh, I had one where somebody had given my number out and they started calling me like the company was calling me and I was like, that's, that person shouldn't have given you this number like, or when they gave it to you, they were staying with me, but they're not here anymore. And I don't know how to get in touch with them. So please stop calling me. And the company still turned my number over to a a collection agency. (laughs) And now I no longer do do business with that company because that's how smart they were. I was a customer of theirs. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you know, my phone is through, it was a, like my niece's cell phone that she'd not paid the bill, I guess. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I pay my phone bill. That's all I can do. And then the, they kept calling me. And then I'm like, now I have to change my number. And I'm just going to go to a different company because I'm pissed off at you guys. You're the reason I'm changing my number. <laughs> Motherfuckers. Somebody I know gave a lending agency my number as a credit reference and took out a loan and stuff. And then, of course, they bailed and didn't pay on it and they called me and they were like we need you to pass a message i was like i don't ever talk to them and they're like well they put you down as a credit reference i was like yeah you probably should have called this reference i would have told you not to give them any money (laughs) you probably should have checked this beforehand yeah yeah i was (laughs) like you guys you guys fucked up he ain't never paying that money (laughs) uh so a friend of mine we have a another friend that's a lawyer and he was talking. So my friend got a call from his dad and his dad's like getting some call from some collection agency for something for you. He's like, but I don't know what it is. So my friend looked into it. It was some weird, like he had moved and there was something wonky with the cable that he had or something. So he ended up having like a, a bill and he missed it somehow or something in the move because he moved to he changed like cable companies or something. Like it was a bill that was it was not a big deal. Like he just would have paid it. He just didn't realize that he had missed it. And yeah. so apparently they had been trying to get a hold of him, couldn't for whatever reason, and started calling his dad, and his dad's phone number was not anywhere like in his contact info. They did whatever search association to figure out somebody related to him. Yeah. And our other friend who's a lawyer, he told him this and he's like, Oh, that's extremely illegal. 
he's like, if you give me permission, I will take care of it for you. And he's like, all right. So then about two weeks later, <laughs> our lawyer friend comes back to him. He's like, guess what? I just won you uh, $2,000. And he's like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, I totally uh, filed a case against them because they're not allowed to do that shit. And uh, we got a settlement of $2,000. So my buddy paid him $1,000, awesome. <laughs> gave him $1,000 for his work, and then just kept the other 1000 He's like, sweet, $3,000. I like this story. That's a happy story. <laughs> it's, right? it's proof that not all lawyers are soul-sucking bastards. Oh, yeah. Now, he's like a – he's not even – I'm trying to remember what he practices. It's like a copyright, like entertainment law or something. Like he goes over contracts. He doesn't like necessarily sue people. But I, t- I take back the nice thing I said. No. Oh. <laughs> it's okay, Noah. I have a friend who's a lawyer, and she does uh, – she represents unions and stuff in battles against management. Does that help? Or that kind of labor law is called? Maybe. I don't know. It depends on which union. <laughs> Good unions. Can- Canadian unions. They're not we don't have less oh, many yeah. like skull crushing unions up here that are Do you have in, son of a bitch cop the mafia? Union? Uh probably. Yeah. I don't know that much about our cop unions. Ours are uh not good. Do your cop unions handle zombie cases? <laughs> You're right, Brian. We should be talking about the show. <laughs> Is your cop oh, unions a bunch of ladies on motorcycles? <laughs> oh, good Lord. Uh, so Noah picked movies this week. You know it. Yeah, everyone knows. They, they, <laughs> said, they saw the title. They know Noah picked this shit. And I'm assuming Noah is the one who put these on the list. You know I did. <laughs> well, Noah, since I feel like this one is going to be more of a you movie, why don't you talk about Chopper Chicks and Zombie Town? Yeah. So uh, uh, a motorcycle lady gang uh, called the Cycle Sluts. I'm already... I'm already bored during this discussion, just so we're clear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ro- roll into a small town uh, and uh, raise some shit, and then zombies are set free from a nuclear mine? <laughs> Something along those lines. There's an evil undertaker slash mad scientist who's putting batteries in dead people's heads and forcing them to mine some kind of radioactive material for reasons. Yeah. They act like it's sense. for a ton of money, but he lives in a shithole little town, so I don't know what good that money does him. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. so cycle chicks fight the zombies, uh, and, and a zombie biker chick bites a couple dudes' dicks off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the whole movie. <laughs> it has 25 endings. The endings just keep coming. So I forgot this... to mention the part where the movie is so fucking boring. <laughs> so boring. It's amazing how boring this movie is. This movie is so boring. So what do you think Sorry. of this movie, Doug? <laughs> fucking Christ. I get the feeling that you think perhaps <sighs> this movie is a little boring. Oh my god. So boring. 
It was just it was <laughs> like nothing was happening. It's not there's it's not like fun to watch these chicks ride around on motorcycles for the first 40 minutes of the movie, which felt like four hours. It's not like exciting. They're not doing cool stuff on the motorcycles. It's not like I say it's not there's not it's not funny. It's not like it's cheesy or corny. It's just fucking boring. And then the second half of the movie is also fucking boring. And in the middle, Billy Bob Thornton shows up for some fucking reason. Hey, <laughs> I just don't understand. Hey, this movie launched Billy Bob Thornton's career. It is the only like vaguely interesting part of the movie was when he shows up. You're like, hey, that one guy's acting <laughs> kind of like there's nothing spectacular about what he does. It's just not completely terrible. <laughs> well, I always I always thought the interesting thing about this movie is watching it. And, you know, normally we we watch some old movie that's got, uh, you know, Tom Hanks or something. in it. And we'll be like, you know, and even back then he was acting circles around everybody. And then we get to this one and you're like, huh. Billy Bob Thornton's about the same acting quality as all these other people. <laughs> no, he's he's a significant step. Up. There's the three of them that stand out is the it's Billy Bob and that guy that's from Return of the Living Dead, whose name I don't know. Don Calfa. And, and the little person who, as it turns out, I Googled him and he played Howard the Duck. Those three, I think, stand out above everybody else in this movie. I don't think any of them do anything particularly special. I'm not complimenting them. I'm criticizing everybody else in the movie. Um, Are you forgetting about the chick who puts money in a jukebox, uh, which apparently plays instrumental only versions of songs so that she can sing over what the song should be? I'm trying to forget about uh, that. I'm trying to forget the musical number in the middle Doing of this my movie. best. <laughs> I forgot how how did the fuck did they make a musical number boring? Normally musical numbers will piss me off, but they're not boring. In this movie, it was boring. Did I mention this movie's boring? <laughs> so I can keep yeah. talking about this movie. <laughs> Were you? Holy shit. I was like, the, th- the thing that always fucks me up every time I see this movie is the uh, the zombie theme song. That is, the thing even, that fucks me even, up is knowing somebody voluntarily watched this more than once. That's yeah, the part even, I can't get Even in this <laughs> silly fucking fucked up weird movie, that song is just so out of place. I don't I don't get it how the rest they're like, oh, we have this cheap, shitty, low budget soundtrack. And then you get to the zombies and it's like carnival music. <laughs> um, so we're sounding like Noah's pretty positive on this movie. What about when well, they decided they were going to fight the zombies and they reused that shot of them like they swing their head and then the zombie head rolls off to the side. That little paper mache head that they, I think they only made one of. And they just use it like 40 times the same. No, they I had, think it's the same shot. Or no, they made they, at least two because one's on fire. Yeah, the one on fire, I will say, standout moment of the film. Um, Would have been very acceptable and tolerable in a better movie. Not special, just fine. Um, everything else is just the same. Swing, swing something at the zombie's head. Cut to paper mache head rolling across the screen cut back to the next thing every fucking time over and over and over and over again what did you think of the movie brian you haven't said anything (laughs) uh it was pretty terrible um they did not make it but i'm pretty sure trauma distributed this movie and that makes perfect sense 
Yeah, 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 correct. They, they picked well, it up after the fact. I don't. Yeah. I don't even think they were the original distributor. That's possible. I don't even know. Yeah, uh, they might have just gotten to it at DVD time. Yeah, but it's a good fit for their catalog because I also do not enjoy most trauma movies. So, so yeah, I don't know. It's just it did nothing for me. The acting's terrible. Like you said, even Joe Bob's not or Joe Bob, uh, fucking Billy Bob's not all that great. Even when he shows up, you're like, yep, that's him in a rock and a double denim. And that's about all I got to say about it. That's that's pretty much it. Like, And it's he weird, does, too, because it's just him and his like denim. him and the one chick just have like an argument because he's like, you should come home and be my wife. And she's like, I'm too wild and crazy to come home and be your wife. I have to go be a biker chick. Yeah. And that's it's just the conversation's just over. And they it's uh, and I'm like, oh, that didn't matter at all. Neither right. did anything else in this and movie. Then, and then he gets got shot. And I don't even remember. Is it the same uh, same lady who got into the phone booth to call her kid? No. And then okay, that's, so that was a different that's, lady. That's Mama. That's the one who gets turned into a zombie. Okay. Yeah. I obviously was not paying very much attention is, to this movie. Billy but. Bob's wife is the redheaded chick. No. Uh, is and I think her name's D. Yeah, I just can't remember if it was her in the in the phone booth or if it was somebody else. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I was not into it. I feel like nothing spectacular. I was not going to learn their names. I'll tell you that much. No. <laughs> was... I feel like nothing oh. noteworthy really happened. It was just oh well, no, there's zombies. This, then... this movie is just people with a camera who shot a whole bunch of random themes that were vaguely motorcycle and zombie themed, and then just glued it all together and attempted to turn it into a story. Yeah. I did like when they first get to town that everybody's all appalled to like, is any fucking diner guys got like a baseball bat and he's just like, not my town. It's like, what the fuck? These people are just riding through. Calm the fuck down. Well, I don't know. I, I grew up in the Midwest as did you. I would assume that that is probably about an accurate representation of people. But I think they'd be more open to bikers. It's not like a fucking uh, a bus full of liberals was riding through their town. Yeah. I don't, well, I think maybe that's been a shift over the years because now, I mean, I associate bikers in with the same crowd as the, the dirty small town rednecky bar people. That's what I'm saying. But it was originally counterculture. So people used to see them more as gross road hippies. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Not a fan. Weirdly, it is a title that I had heard of a lot. Kind of wanted to check out, but. That's right. Because you know what the best part of this movie is? I the title. Yeah, and I've I've now regretted that feeling over the past couple of years. (laughs) Having seen it. (laughs) Oh, my God. So terrible, so boring. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> does anybody the, know? The funny thing is, it's a great title, and it's actually the premise. The premise of the movie itself is kind of like one of those things you should be like, "Yeah, group of biker chicks fighting zombies in a small town. I'm in." And then, and then you watch it, and it's this. It doesn't even can have I, the, the luxury of any nudity, which seems like this is a movie yeah. that's prime for it. Oh, it's extre- it's extremely PG. 
Yeah. So it's a bunch of girls who call themselves the sluts and none of them are slutty. What the (laughs) hell is going on? Right. Oh my God. Maybe it's ironic. They're taking the name back. No, it's not. It's (laughs) shitty filmmaking. (laughs) I I, I always have to give it one thing though. There's like two or three jokes throughout this movie that are actually just great fucking jokes. No, but the rest of the movie sucks so bad that you miss the great joke whenever it happens. Like, uh, when the I can't remember what her name is, the one who's wearing the hat all the time fucks that random dork who's like on his couch. His mom comes home and she's like, finally, fucking virgin. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, they ask if anybody wants to go with them and she like shoves her kid out. She's like, get, get on the fucking motorcycle. <laughs> That is mildly funny if it would have, if it would have been in a different movie. Well, yeah, because comedy has to be well executed in order to be enjoyable. Yeah, if this if that would have been in like Return of the Killer Tomatoes, which we enjoyed a lot more than this movie, that would have been a really funny joke. Agreed. So, can I ask you guys an important question about this movie? If you want to. Oh, I, I, yeah. So I watched I watched this movie for free on YouTube, and you guys know how to report it to YouTube so it'll be taken down so that nobody else has to do that. Yeah, it's technically a copyright infringement, right? So if we report it, we're going to take it down. <laughs> Unfortunately for you, that will not work because uh, CCTV posted one of them. I'm not sure which version you guys watched, mm-hmm. but this was and Troma has a tendency to post their own movies. Yeah, it's interesting. I couldn't even find this movie to log it like on Letterboxd and stuff. Like, it denies this movie even exists. It's like, obviously, <laughs> nobody's going to watch this movie. It's, we don't need to put this on the list. It's not a movie. It's when I searched for it, like, even on, like, IMDb, I searched for it. And it was like, you have to type in the whole title before you get it. It was like, yeah. like when I did Chopper Chicks, like other movies with Chopper in the title. Yeah, I, I, for this one. It is. It is great that you type in. Chopper chicks in ZOM and it's still insisting like, no, I'm trying to remember what the movie was. It was like real dreams or something like that. I was like, that's not even close. (laughs) It's uh, just IMDb instinctively knows that it's no one's best interest to learn more about this film. (laughs) Oh my God. So boring. Do you feel this would be better if you watched it in a group? Like you guys are having some drinks. Oh. You're pretty much talking during the movie, so you're not even really paying attention to what's going on. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's 100%. We- it's it's a garbage movie. It's Rift Tracks garbage. No, no. But here's the thing, though. Because, no, because garbage movies can be fun to watch. What would you... You couldn't even make jokes about this movie while you're watching it. What would be the joke? You'd figure out which person fell asleep because the movie was so boring, and you'd pick on that person. <laughs> there's nothing like it's just people standing around you'd be like oh a musical number that's stupid that's what are you gonna say about it there's nothing it's stupid it's dumb it's boring do what like your big mama told you <laughs> <laughs> uh, if listeners haven't seen the movie by the way i do not recommend this one i don't know if i've been clear about that oh wow um, well, do you want to tell us about the Boneyard and see if that one's any better? The Boneyard is, yeah. uh, so, I mean, yada, 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 
police. And, uh, <laughs> you can't, you can't start with the yada, yada, yada. <laughs> I can't. Because the movie puts all the boring shit at the beginning, and then it locks a group that. of people in a in a mortuary, which is colloquially referred to as the boneyard, with some monster things that chase them around for the last, like, 45 minutes. And by some people, I mean a bunch of actors you've never heard of. And uh, Mr. Roper and Phyllis Diller, for some reason. Just fucking weird. I've never assumed that Phyllis Diller did a bunch of cocaine. But now I'm like, you know what? She had to owe a drug dealer a bunch of money. It's, here's the thing. So f- I see Phyllis Diller in like the poster for this movie, right? And I'm thinking, okay, so she knew somebody, and they're gonna they're gonna call Phyllis Diller in the middle of this movie, and she recorded a scene at home so that her friend could use her name in the title or whatever. And then when she shows up on screen, she's sitting behind a counter, like arguing with people, and I'm like, okay, she's gonna take on. She actually came into set one day. She's going to sit there and she's going to riff a couple of jokes. And then half an hour later, she's a major character in the film. She's having like (laughs) goo shoved in her mouth by weird zombie monster child. And I'm sitting there going, holy shit. Like what is, what is happening? (laughs) I don't know that much about Phyllis Diller's career because she's not in very many movies like this one that I would actually watch. But she doesn't seem like that, especially at her like advanced age, she should be wrestling with this like demon child or cracking jokes about the fact that she's losing her hair. Like <laughs> so weird well, that she's in this. The interesting thing is I read a piece of the trivia. She must've known the director and he must've talked her into coming in as a favor or something. Cause apparently well, he knew special her. effects. Yeah. yeah, he knew her well enough that he talked her into not wearing a wig because apparently she was notorious for wearing a wig, which is why she has very thinning hair okay. from wearing wigs for years. And he talked her into not wearing a wig just to make that character seem crazier. And apparently she Wait. trusted him enough to be like, eh, all right. Yeah, the director, I, I respect the director of the movie. While... Movie. Hey, what were you saying, Doug? I just said I respect her a lot more because she leaned into it in this movie because she is oh, yeah. making self-deprecating jokes and getting into on the violence and the gore and the disgusting shit. Oh yeah, I yeah. give her kudos. She didn't. She didn't take the easy way out. She was definitely in some of the some of the more actiony scenes. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say the director, while he did not uh, have a very illustrious career as a film director, uh, seeing how like it's like this movie and like two other shit movies. Mm -hmm. uh, But he worked on the special effects of a whole lot of great fucking movies. Yeah, I don't know if you guys looked at his IMDb or not, but you're like, damn, I did not. Yeah. I glanced at it and I could just see that, oh, he's a special effects guy who got to do a movie, a couple of movies, like, I guess. And it's like, you can tell, right? Because this whole, like, the first half of this movie, it's a lot of people talking and a lot of me not caring. And it's mm. not, it's not atrociously bad. I was getting like ready to say, I, I almost have to argue that that's not fair because the first half of the movie, the acting, like, all the actors are doing good. Yeah. Like for a low budget movie, I, I agree it's all that. good. And the story's actually kind yeah. of interesting that they're laying out. 
it's I think it's the juxtaposition of how slow and uh, I don't know, noirish is wrong, but it's a, it's definitely like a detective style movie for the first half. And then you go into the second half where all of a sudden it's fucking like Evil Dead with children. <laughs> yes, and you're right. It's it's not that the, the the first half is is terrible. It's just that it's very very slow, and it's taking itself very seriously. And the acting isn't bad, but it is direct video acting, 1991, I think. You know that you get a certain quality with that, um, and then. You know, there's there's the there's the racism. We should probably mention it <laughs> when they do that flashback sequence to where the demons come from. And I, I wasn't sure if they're supposed to be Japanese or Chinese because it was so racist that I couldn't tell who they were being racist against. <laughs> but um, it's pretty bad. Um, <laughs> and then and then once it picks up, we finally when we get to that scene where they're at the the boneyard and they're watching through the monitors because they're not allowed in the same room as the bodies so that they don't disturb them. And Mr. Roper, who plays the, uh, the coroner is down there like showing off the bodies and he's cracking jokes and shit. And I'm like, Oh, business is about to pick up because now we're staring at pretty good looking dead bodies. We've mm-hmm. got you know, the coroner down there making jokes as they do in this type of movie. And Man, when it picks up, it picks up and it is relentless until the end of the movie. And it just, it's almost like a crescendo of ridiculousness um, where it starts with like these really kind of well done monster children that are just chasing people around. And then they start, like I say, now they're shoving stuff in Phyllis Diller's mouth to convert <laughs> her into one of them. Um, and it it ends with the the infamous picture that most people have probably seen if they've ever Googled this movie of the dog that gets converted and they have to kill that fucking thing. And it, it it's, it, I really enjoyed the second half of this movie a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun to watch. I feel like the tone of this movie is all over the place. Uh, like you had mentioned the beginning of this movie, they're very serious. Like we should mention the, one of the main characters, she's supposed to be like a police psychic but she's like stopped because it just takes too much of a toll on her. And then uh, her name's gotten out there. So people keep showing up asking for help and she just can't do it anymore. You know, it hurts her too much and whatever. And then she gets dragged back into one more case and it's like, okay, that, and then the whole psychic thing kind of ends up going nowhere. Um, It's super serious, too, that they even get into, like, how she got her psychic powers was, like, by having, like, a miscarriage or whatever. It resulted, and it's like, that's really dark shit to get into. (laughs) When when there was a picture of a zombie dog on the case of this DVD, like, it's... (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, the middle part, like you mentioned, is these zombie children show up, and they look pretty grotesque. So, I would say the makeup's pretty fantastic. And then it becomes, like, an action-y... uh, you know, run from the undead creature movie. But then, then out of nowhere, we get a, that's a, a spoiler alert, I guess, cartoony, like Phyllis Diller's zombie giant creature. And so then it goes way cartoony. And then, like you said, giant poodle 
poodle monster by the end of it. Yeah, so, it's it's almost like weird it's stages. a yeah. I was gonna say, I wouldn't say it's all over the place though, because it's not like it from scene to scene. It's jumping. It's more like it starts off with this very serious tone and just slowly kind of slides down a slide of crazy. And by the end, they're just full on. Uh, not not quite bazookaing an anaconda, but <laughs> but that type of scenario. <laughs> well, it goes from like a super serious movie to like killer clowns from outer space by the end with the cartoony dog creature running around. Yes, agreed. <laughs> it's so weird, <laughs> it's, but yeah, it's 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 quite the shift. But it's fucking great. <laughs> I greatly enjoyed this more than the last movie, but it yeah. did take us a long oh, time definitely, to get there. But uh, again, I didn't, I was enjoying the first half of the movie. I think not understanding where it was going, obviously. Um, I, 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 as far as like movies that we would watch, like the three of us, not normal human beings. I don't think the first half, it, it was promising still the idea of the psychic getting dragged into this case of these dead children. Um, I think the, the scene where they show like the television and they're interviewing the guy who like, I think his name is Chen and he's the guy that was, had the bodies of these children in his, in his, uh, mortuary. Um, that performance from that dude is fucking awesome. And he's given like that speech and he's just, he's like disheveled and he's talking about how he's, his family for generations has had to had this curse of watching after these demons and he can't do it anymore. And, you know, he eventually that character ends up committing suicide. Speaking of dark moments in the film, <laughs> but it's the performance is amazing. And I looked it up and like that guy's not an actor. He's just some guy like I don't think he has any other IMDb credits, mm. but it's fantastic watching him do it. And it's like, OK. Uh, and then, like I say, that it's almost wasted because it goes into I mean, that's shortly before the big twists start to happen and we start to get our our comedy duo of Phyllis Diller and the guy trying to deliver the body to the morgue who can't seem to agree on which door they should use. <laughs> Apparently there's only three ways in to the, to the uh, fucking morgue and they forget about one of them. Like the, the fucking freight elevator comes into the story about halfway through them. Like, well, the elevator's destroyed and the other doors won't open. I guess we're trapped. Oh, maybe we should use this freight elevator that's over here. It's like, what, what the fuck? What <laughs> the biggest thing that I so I can I can suspend disbelief for a lot of stuff, but you want to like freak out and go, there is not a building in this world that has access to a floor that is only by elevator. <laughs> not one. There's there's no. always a stairwell. Yeah. Yeah, especially because it's an, an old building, like older buildings, oftentimes the elevators were added later. Like originally stairs was the only way to get down. <laughs> it's the elevator that got added later. Did we also mention that while walking through the evidence area, they pick up the world's strangest looking and most inaccurate machine gun? <laughs> yeah. Going through the evidence area just has all the stuff they need. They're like, oh, look, pipe bombs. Those could come in handy later. It's like, I wonder what they'll use those for. 
You know what the funny thing is? You would never predict. I bet they're going to have to kill that poodle with that pipe bomb. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, admittedly, I, I had, uh, I hadn't, I had seen the pictures of the dog, but I'd kind of forgotten about it by this point of the movie because I was just enjoying it. And I'm just like, I, I did not anticipate that dog growing into a giant monster at all <laughs> even after the uh, phyllis diller uh, monster well at that point i wasn't predicting anything Once phyllis diller <laughs> became, the first time that they started drenching phyllis diller in like that slimy pus i'm mm. like what is happening that's phyllis diller <laughs> you're not, <laughs> you're not allowed so to do just, that to phyllis diller she's a goddamn treasure <laughs> well, she's, she's, she was she's, on the scooby-doo movies god damn you Treasures is a strong word, but she's above this. Um, <laughs> once they started doing that, I was like, I don't know what's going on anymore. Like, we're no longer in this in this movie about this tortured psychic. We're certainly not in a movie that I thought I was watching for the first half hour. And now I don't I don't know. And then she starts transforming and I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? OK, let's go. Let's get on this roller coaster and go for this ride. <sighs> So apparently yeah. there, there was an alternate. Dog with pipe bumps. <laughs> so apparently there was an alternate ending to this movie. Right. Apparently the very first thing they shot was a big wedding scene because the detective and the psychic lady were supposed to get married at the end, showing that they had both gotten over their whatever their neuroses were by battling evil Phyllis Diller and her giant poodle monster. And then right. they they didn't even bother putting that in the movie. They're like, yeah, fuck that. I don't think you. I don't think you want those two getting married. I don't think that helps anybody. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't see how that ending would really tack on to this movie. <laughs> Mind you, at that point, it wouldn't be the weirdest thing that happened anymore. So, you're like, whatever. Yeah, that's also true. After you blew up a giant evil poodle. So <laughs> uh, we also mentioned that uh, Phyllis Diller's character's name is Poopin' Platts. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Uh, Amanda, Amanda was here and she's heard someone say it and she's like, Poop and Platts. I'm like, that's her name. She's got a giant yep. uh, name tag on that says Boop. Poop and Platts. Poop and Platts. And then the dog's name is uh, Floofsums, if I remember right. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, so I bought this on Blu ray a couple years ago just as a blind buy. Wise yeah. choice. So while you guys had to watch the crappy YouTube four by three version, I got to watch a nice crisp Blu-ray. I'm sure that so, really improves the enjoyment of the film. It does for the Phyllis Diller monster. Clear. People are wondering what this Phyllis Diller monster looks like. If you saw uh, it chapter two, when Beverly goes to her dad's old apartment and there's an old lady there. Oh, you're the, not wrong. At the end, she comes out and she's like this weird CG monster. She looks like that, but in fucking uh, practical effects form. But do you guys remember when I talked about it, Chapter 2, when I watched it? And what did I say? I said, that scene is stupid because it's such a good, like, build-up. And then they put this, like, evil dead type monster in it. The monster itself was cool, just didn't belong in that scene. Yeah. Because apparently, like, 30 years earlier, somebody put it in a movie where it does belong. 
then it worked out great. <laughs> yeah, you know what we need in this it movie? We need that Phyllis Diller monster <laughs> from that 1990s straight to DVD movie. <laughs> you guys know the one, right? <laughs> Uh, the Blu-ray also has a reversible cover on it. Because I, I did read that they didn't know what to do with this movie. So they tried promoting it as like a straight-up horror movie. So it has like a cover with like a severed head on it, like one of those monster children or whatever. And then they're like, well, it didn't do super great. Let's promote it as like a more of like a uh, horror comedy, and so they put the one out with the dog creature on it. Yeah, yeah, I've seen <laughs> both those covers. Um, so, so now I got to choose which one I'm going to have on my on my shelf. Am I going to have the the dog cover or the seven head cover? My my argument for this movie is that just because the last I don't know what ten to twenty minutes it kind of devolves into a horror comedy. I, I just calling this movie a horror comedy doesn't seem accurate. I don't know. I think it's accurate. I think marketing it as a horror comedy is accurate and marketing it as a straightforward horror movie is accurate. I think it's, it's a unique combination of the two. I suppose. I just, I, I think if you handed that movie to somebody and you said, oh, it's a horror comedy, they would call you an hour into the movie and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah, and you uh, and you just tell them to be patient and hang on. It's coming. You got to hold hold on for that pooping plats. <laughs> <laughs> what physical form is Phyllis Diller taking at the point you're at in the movie? Oh, yeah, it's not a comedy yet then. <laughs> just wait. Is <laughs> a, a child in a horror makeup rubbed uh, Ghostbusters slime in her mouth yet? <laughs> Just give it time. Uh, also, Mr. Roper is cosplaying as uh, John Carpenter in this movie. It's, it's pretty fantastic. Does anybody know, like, Norman Fell, the, the human being who plays Mr. Roper and is also in this movie, did he really grow like a giant ponytail in life and a big mustache? Or did, did somebody put those on him for this movie? Does anybody know the answer to that? I have no idea. My assumption was they were fake, but either one is delightful. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, like, if it's real, it's like, what the fuck? That is so strange to me. But then if it's fake, it's like, why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like he's playing a coroner. He kind of looks like like he kind of looks like Quincy. You know what I mean? Like you could just have him be a coroner and look normal. Uh, People I, I, would take him seriously, I guess. I do also appreciate the fact that our main character of the psychic lady isn't like a traditionally attractive person. Oh yeah. No, the two the two main characters, like the the elderly cop and her, are both like, I guess, not traditionally attractive people. And in the beginning, when I thought this was a serious movie, I thought that was a really good thing to do. In a horror comedy, you almost would have been better to have them be like young, attractive people. Who knows? Yeah, and then they had Phyllis Diller make fun of her for being overweight. <laughs> when Phyllis Diller calls her a fat bitch, I'm like, that is awesome. <laughs> she steals the keys. <laughs> well, then she has to she has to turn in her driver's license when she gets there, so that they can make note of who was there or whatever. 
And she looks at the driver's license. She's like, ah, really pork it up, huh? (laughs) What? (sighs) Phyllis Diller. Savage. (laughs) Just that meme where it goes to black and white and the sunglasses come down over top of her. (laughs) Uh, uh, All right. Anything else before we move on? Uh, Boneyard's fucking great. Yeah. I I wouldn't put it. uh... Yeah, I was going to say, I wouldn't put it top of the pile, but it deserves to be in the pile. It's worth a watch. Like we mentioned, because I messaged these guys while we were watching it that, uh, um, I'm like, okay, there's been like lots of talking and pretty much nothing else in this movie so far. And Noah's like, eh, just give it a little bit. <laughs> and sure enough, about 10 minutes later, weird undead zombie children showed up. And I'm like, oh, these look sweet. And then out of nowhere, fucking Phyllis Diller monster pops up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, only- like, whatever. It- Go ahead. I, I was going to say the only movie I can think that is a fairly direct comparison for this movie is Dust Till Dawn. It's like it got the same yeah, kind of pacing to it. Obviously, it's not as well made as Till from Dust Till Dawn, but yeah. but yeah, it's got that. There's kind of the turn. I think the turn is actually when they uh, not when they first see the horrible little zombie babies eating somebody. But the scene where they go into the bathroom and they come out from behind the stall and that one kind of strikes a weird (laughs) zombie baby pose. (laughs) And then you see the other two. I don't know. That's that turn moment. You know what I mean? Where the whole movie shifts gear right at that second. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. What did everybody watch since last time? I know Noah's been doing nothing but watching movies. Yeah. Yeah, so much spare time. Uh, I did watch a few things, so I am caught up on Hawkeye. Nice. Uh, yep. I don't know if we want to talk about that at the end since the Marvel stuff. Sure. Yeah, it's kind of weird because this won't go up until Hawkeye's done, but we, as we record this, we've only seen three episodes, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, solid point. Uh, still watching Wheel of Time. I think it's uh, it's kind of picking up speed and getting a little better. We'll see. All it's right. good, though. Uh, and then the big thing that I managed to catch, and I haven't watched all of it yet, but Shar uh, started watching that show Ghosts, mm. which is about uh, a woman and her friend who just buy a building and decide to open up a bed and breakfast, and then she falls down the stairs and gains the ability to see ghosts. And as it turns out, the whole house is filled with Kind of various goofy assholey ghosts, mm. uh, and it's hilarious. I really like that show a lot. <laughs> so I haven't watched it. I heard it was based on like a BBC show. Oh yeah, yeah, it was a British show that they adapted. Yeah. But of course, the episode I came in on was an episode where uh, her roommate who can't see the ghosts and one of the ghosts really want to play D and D. 
And so she has to be an intermediary for them to play Dungeons and Dragons. And it's just fucking it's really funny. I'm super into it. Uh, And that's it. I didn't have time to watch no movies. Uh, What have you been watching, Doug? Uh, let's see. Well, the return of Mike Flanagan corner because I finally watched Doctor Sleep. Couldn't <laughs> um, hold out for that three hours, huh? I could not find that director's cut without. I guess I could probably just you know buy a Blu-ray player and then go buy the Blu-ray and then watch it on that. But yeah, that's a lot of work. That seemed like too much work. Yeah, there was there was this other version just sitting there that I could just push a couple of buttons and it would play on my TV. Um, well, if anything, it gives you something else to watch. Mike Flanagan ask later on. Yeah, yeah. So I'm curious the- to hear. Um, I liked it quite a bit. I did think the opening parts felt a bit rushed, and I'm wondering if that's what gets expanded out in the extended edition. Mm-hmm. Um, Possible. I don't remember necessarily. Look, look, I'm thinking it. I mean, I, I know how Hollywood works enough to know like character development. That's probably what they cut out right there. That character development stuff at the beginning. Just just a guess. We'll see if I ever get around to the the other version. Um, yeah, I I thought it was good. I thought the atmosphere worked. I thought they did a good job of blending, um, sort of the atmosphere of the first film of The Shining, with a more modern feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I don't think you can make a movie like The Shining today something that operates at that pace um, very mm-hmm. very difficult to pull something big like that off in today's world so I think you they did a good job of kind of keeping certain elements of it while at the same time playing it, it giving it a modern feel um, I assume it's pretty true to the book because it felt very Stephen King to me um, from what I remember of the book, it's pretty close. The ending is obviously yeah. different because the ending of the book, sh- yes, the book version of The Shining was different. But I actually think the movie ending is a lot better. So, okay, yeah. So I, the big thing for me is like, so we get all the stuff with the like the main character and he's like using his chalkboard to communicate with other people who have the shining and it's all happy. And we've got these soul sucking evil creatures that we're getting to know. And, you know, you assume they're on a collision course for one another. Mm. And then all of a sudden you've just got a couple of guys with shotguns trying to take out the bad guys. And uh, there was something very, very Stephen King about that to me where it's just like, Oh yeah. Right. Like we're all, we all have these like magic powers and shit, but we could still just shoot them. That would still work, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, like yeah. psychic psychic mind battles aren't that interesting. We'll just grab a couple shotguns and yeah. take care of them. <laughs> but I, 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 I didn't I, see it coming, and I liked it. I was going to say, I thought my biggest complaint about it was uh, it kind of it takes a second to get going, and then you have that scene where the, uh, for lack of a, PC term because it's just the way they portray them. The, the evil gypsies uh, fucking torture murder baseball boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so intense. And yeah. then the movie does not attempt to keep that up, which is weird. It's like, you can't throw that in the middle of this fucking movie and then not try to keep that intensity going. That was so fucking 
crazy. Like, I mean, it was brutal and drawn out. I see what you're saying. But again, I think that's to me, that's very Stephen King in some ways. Um, You know, we're going to have this horrific, just like gut wrenching scene. That's hard to get through. And then we're going to go back to little girls using our magic powers to write notes to friends on chalkboards. And I don't know. There's something like there's something about it that I appreciated. I, yeah, I feel like I feel like the goal is to show you how terrible these people are and need need to be killed, but they're not like yeah. savagely murdering everybody they come across like that. <laughs> yeah, because they were this weird like hippie cult that was also murdering people and stealing their essence. Mm. Um, and I feel like they were they were trying to that contrast was part of who they were as characters was like, Oh look, they're all like living in the woods and sleeping in camper vans and oh, isn't that cute until, you know, Hey, we need to eat. Let's murder a little boy on his way home from baseball practice. Okay. Yeah. Um, definitely a tonal shift though. I can't, <laughs> I can see why it would bug someone, I guess. Um, you probably, I don't know if you noticed or even looked it up afterwards, but, uh, the original Danny, makes an appearance in this movie no i didn't uh, notice that actually at the baseball game when they're panning across the crowd and the one guy's like oh check out this number 19 he's really good okay that's the original danny it's, all right yeah it's not like you're gonna recognize him no um but yeah um i like well okay, that raises the interesting I guess my more my criticism of other people than of this movie, mm-hmm. but everyone kept telling me like, oh, the stuff like from the flashback scenes to the seventies, it's like it, it looks like they you know lifted scenes right from the original, and it's like no, it doesn't. <laughs> <I'm so laughs> it's it's not it's not poorly done. I'm not criticizing the movie again. I'm criticizing other people. Um, I mean, anybody I would, who, I would call it impressive. It's impressive how yes. close they got it, but mm-hmm. but there's there's no way that if you showed me these scenes, I would mistake them for being taken from the other. Movie. It's still again they're well done, but they're clearly not from that original movie. And obviously, especially when you've got you've recast certain actors, which you have to do. You can't be using those same actors anymore. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's. It was just a strange thing when it, as I'm watching it, I'm going, I thought people told me it looked like exactly like from the original. I'm like, this looks like they did a very, very good job of recreating the original. And I, yeah. People, uh, when I first saw it, someone told me that they were like, no, no, that scene where Wendy's in the bathroom and the axe comes through the door. And that's totally from, from The Shining. And I was like, no, that's, 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 the, that's, that's, the, that's yeah, they're like, no, that's the new Wendy. Like, that's one of the recreated scenes. I'm 100% positive. Because Flanagan did an interview about it, and he's like, well, I went back and forth on do I pull footage from the original movie and then shoot new stuff with new actors and just say, like, well, I'm sure the audience will see what I mean. But I feel like that was too just disjarring, so he decided just... If we're going to have anything from the original, we're just going to have to reshoot it with the new actors. So, and I think you made yeah, a good choice. Yeah, which is the right move, I think. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, I 100% agree. I don't think you you wouldn't want those characters having two different faces at different times in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think they had the budget to be, you know, marveling it where you can just <laughs> recreate them with CGI or something. 
he said the only thing that they lifted from that they actually had to use footage from the original movie was the blood from the elevator scene. He said they tried to recreate yeah. it in CGI and it never looked right. So they just grabbed that clip from the movie. Okay. There is the one moment where they're like towards the end where a bunch of the characters from the original are kind of surrounding Danny. Mm. And I thought that didn't look great. Not, again, not not bad enough that it's, it's really a criticism of the movie, but it wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't the high point either. Um, just I don't know. They didn't. Not, not, none of them look quite right. I guess when they were all together and too close up and stuff. But yeah, I can see that. Not enough that it ruined the movie or anything. Just a, me being my nitpicky self. <laughs> uh, were you a fan of Rose the Hat? Um, yeah, I, I, I was a fan of everybody to a certain extent, but there's nobody yeah. in this movie. There's no character in this movie that like I like am desperate to see more of or that I really wanted to see a lot. I just I thought they all worked and did their job well. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, again, that's kind of a Stephen King thing, right? Where it's like we don't necessarily get to know each of the characters really well. We're or about the atmosphere and the story in certain things, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. For sure. I don't know. That's this is all my take on King. I guess other people have different yeah. opinions, and the, obviously people can point to different examples as well, right? The, it's not like he doesn't have three hundred books. <laughs> the book spends a ton of time, uh, basically getting you in the head of Danny, but that's about it. Yeah, he spent a lot see, more time with them. From the end of The Shining up through present day. Okay. See, that, see, that's interesting. I'd like to see because we kind of pick up with him. He's, you know, this, this addict who's you know, living a shitty life. And we find he just escapes to this little town where he kind of gets sober. And it's sort of a weird thing where he's like, I don't know if this is from the book or not, but in the movie, it's like you get the impression he just gets on a bus and just goes somewhere. And it just oh, yeah. happens to meet people who are like, hey, do you want to live here now? And he's like, I guess. And then they're like, here, you can rent this room. And then it cuts to like eight years later and he's still just in this room. <laughs> it's like, that's a little weird. Like, I'd like some more explanation of that, of what's going on in his head. And why is he not improving his life if he's been sober for eight years? And you know, nope. That's pretty much be... the way the book goes. I was just saying, okay. Noah, Noah can correct me because I don't remember. I actually read the book and was not super impressed with it. I'm way more impressed with the movie than I was the book. Okay, but I have a feeling that he does finally just get fed up of being an addict. He's like, I'm just tired of this life. The whole thing with him uh, sleeping at that girl's house and then waking up and then leaving with the baby on the bed and stuff. That's all from the book. Yeah. That he just sort of has this, like, I'm just tired of all this bullshit. And so he does want to get sober, and he kind of just hops on a bus. And it, if I remember correctly, it's almost like his his uh, shine almost, like, directs him someplace that he can get help. Like, Oh, okay. It's, it's not, like, super blatant, but he basically gets on a bus, and then he has a feeling like, maybe this is my stop, and just sort of gets off. And then everything okay. improves for him. I like that. I, yeah, I didn't get that from the movie, um, but mm. I guess it totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, to re- yeah, a, and you were talking about him, him kind of stagnating in that town. But in the book, it kind of gives you the impression that 
uh, Danny thinks that that's that is the best his life is ever going to be. So okay. he has no reason to ever leave. You know, what I mean? he's like sober. He has a s- stable job. He gets to help people. Mm-hmm. And they play up the uh, his role as Dr. Sleep a little bit more in the book. Uh, yeah. he, he does find he starts working at like a hospice. And he finds that his powers give him an ability to help people when they're essentially dying and just sort of helps them transition a lot more easily. And so he becomes like sort of like everybody kind of hopes that he'll be there when they're passing away so that he can help guide them or whatever. It's sort of like one of those like worst kept secrets among the hospice hospital that he can help people this way, but nobody really talks about it. So I feel like in the book, he takes that role a lot more seriously. So maybe that's what could have kept him in the town more and stuff. And and I kind of think like, I'm I'm hoping that the director's cut expands on that element of it, of what, what was he doing during this time there? Because I found that very interesting. Like Mm -hmm. the idea that he's, that he he's takes he takes it as his responsibility to basically help people die easier, um, and it's not really explored because it, we move into our story quicker. Um, From what I remember, what the difference is between the two, I think it's just there's a little bit added to a bunch of scenes throughout the entire movie that just expand them a little bit more. Okay. I don't feel like there's big scenes that were cut out or whatever because I think it's only like 15 minutes longer, something like that. But it is weird enough. Weirdly enough, the longer scenes end up making it a better pace for this movie. Yeah, I have to say, at like two and a half hours, the movie still felt a little rushed, which is a really strange thing to say. <laughs> yeah. And so you know, like I, I can see moments where, and I don't know if they're the most scenes that get expanded or not, but like when he, whoever the guy is that he first meets, that sets sets him up at the room and stuff at the beginning and. Them mm-hmm. is building a little mini version of the town. When he gets that guy to join him on his mission, I'm like, that that happened real quick. I'm <laughs> I'm thinking maybe there's some more there, things like that, where I'm just like, yeah, maybe we can understand people's motivations a little better and why they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe even a little bit more of the interactions between him and his uh, and the the girl's parents when he just shows up. He's like, I'm gonna, <laughs> Take your daughter on a mission now, if you don't mind. <laughs> the guy's like, what the fuck? Yeah. I'll moments just... there where the guy's like, it, it's just, yeah, all this, the guy's like ready to kill him because it's just what you're some guy that's been messaging my daughter and now you're here to pick her up. And then he's just like, but magic though. And he's like, all right, I guess because of magic. <laughs> well, they don't tell him magic. They, they, they show it. But yeah. Yes. But still, like, there's this weird thing, and it's not specific to this movie, I guess, where it's like some guy has no idea magic exists. And then you do magic in front of him, and then he just, all right, I guess there's magic, so you can go on your mission. I always find it very strange. It's well, I think the argument's supposed to be that he's clearly aware that his daughter is magic. You know what I mean? Is he supposed to be? The wife is like his his wife is definitely yeah. aware. I, I didn't think, get the I, Well, I think was. it's one of those things that they're kind of in denial that she can yeah. actually do things, that it's just coincidences and that kind of shit. Yeah, and then she doesn't show it a lot in front of them because, you know, it kind of freaks them out. 
Yeah. Um, so what did you think of the stuff at the Overlook? Mostly I really liked it. Um, I thought there were certain scenes like the one on this when they were on the stairs. I thought that looked really good when he's got the axe and she's coming at him and he's backing up the stairs. Mm. I thought that was like, oh, I, I remember this. This is close <laughs> enough to the original movie where I'm like this. I can see the scene you're recreating in my head. Mm. Um, again, I, I sort of intentionally didn't rewatch the original before watching this. So yeah. um, I, I thought that yeah. was fun. I thought the shots of the maze were cool. The cool thing is uh, the uh, the Kubrick estate got them blueprints and stuff so they can recreate stuff if they needed to. Yeah, so I, like I thought it like I like I think I already said I think most of it looked really really good. Um, mm-hmm. There was a couple of shots where I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, but you know, I can. It's a couple of shots, and uh, yeah, just. I, I liked being back at the Overlook. I thought, I don't know. I know it's it's weird because this movie is sort of standalone until that time. Mm-hmm. And then you're just like, oh, yeah, by the way, this is a sequel to that other movie, you know. And I'm like, yeah, but I I, I already kind of knew that on a meta level. It must have been really weird for some people who went in to see this and maybe aren't horror fans. Like, you know what I mean? Like people who are fans of modern day filmmaking that haven't don't have that history mm. really weird trying to figure out what was going on there uh what about the reappearance of jack torrance i mean i want to say that they could have got somebody better but i don't know that you could so mm. that uh, it took me out of the movie a bit just because how the hell do you do that you know yeah. what i mean how do you recast such an iconic character and yeah, if, from what I remember watching the special features, like they talked to Henry Thomas and uh, he uh, he's like, yeah, Mike called me up and he's like, hey, uh, I'm doing this Dr. Sleep thing, you know, the sequel to The Shining. Uh, do you want to come in and do this little part? And he's like, sure. Which part? And he's like, Jack Torrance. He's like, oh, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he like eventually talked him into it. Yeah, I just it's 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 not fair to criticize it. Because what the hell can you do? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, other than finding somebody who does like a really, really, really good Jack Nicholson impression and shooting him from behind or something and trying to pretend, but I don't think you can do that. So yeah. I don't know what else you do. Yeah. And it, it's like, say, I it took me out of the movie because it didn't feel right. And also, I don't think they could possibly have done it better. So. <laughs> <laughs> what are your other options but then if you don't do it like you're kind of questioning like well it would have been cool to see jack torrance there so it is kind of a it's kind of a no-win situation yeah i don't and i mean the whole thing is like the whole idea that he's confronting his past is yes he's confronting the demons but he's also confronting like his past which is his father basically right like his he he has lines in this movie where he talks about how when he was like, you know, blackout drunk, that's the only time he really felt like he knew who his father was. And so this idea of going back and physically facing it up against his father is, I think, important thematically to the movie. Um, you know, he's trying to move on past all of the negative things in his past, which includes the, the real life stuff and the ghost stuff. Um, so how do you not address it, I guess? What other options would you have? Yeah. Weirdly, in the book, uh, the ghost of Jack Torrance does show up at the end. 
But he shows up to save Danny from Rose the Hat. Like in their showdown. Okay. Um, Like he shoves him out of the way or something. He shoves her off a cliff or something. It's something small, but he shows up. uh, And he doesn't, you know, obviously he doesn't do that in this one. It is much more of an antagonist than anything else. Yeah. Um, well, and I'm trying to think. I it's been so long since I read the book, but the book kind of ends with the implication that the father is a friendly presence after yeah. passing, right? Yeah. He's, yeah. It's almost like a way for him to redeem himself with his son after the end of the shining. Yeah. Yeah. So that that I guess that is more consistent, and then like, the movie doesn't really do that. Yeah. Um. So I guess it it makes sense when you're making a sequel to the movie that you've got to, you've got to take what was in the film as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely fits and stuff. It's just, uh, it's complicated, but Flanagan, I think is the only person I would trust to try to figure all that shit out. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I'm relieved Flanagan made this movie and not someone else who would have, mm-hmm. cause it would have been a very Hollywood thing to do to either, just completely change the book to match the original movie or to just go screw it. We'll just use the ending from the book. Nobody's seen that movie in years anyway. Like Mm -hmm. if I could see a Hollywood, I could see a guy in a suit in an office in Hollywood making either of those decisions flippantly. And, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. somebody put a lot of thought into how to blend the two for the purposes of this ending. And I think it's the right move. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's correct. I think Flanagan had, had uh he had king on his side so that at least helped him if he had to argue about any of that stuff with the studio but yeah seems like they kind of just let him do what he wanted to do as long as it turned out all right is there still a uh talisman netflix series in the pipes i mean they've been talking about it forever so it's hard telling well yeah i mean spielberg's been attached to it for 35 years or something crazy like that yeah yeah, he bought up the rights to it as soon as the book came out. But I don't even know. Eh, it might be an Amblin thing from what I'm trying to remember. But I haven't heard anything about it in a while. Just you'd think now is the time. Since it's kind of a shining adjacent story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I don't, don't see it on I don't. They don't make logical decisions like that, though, no. You can't expect them. <laughs> Again, guy in suit in office, just asking for a breakdown of the budget and a projected opening weekend is all he's talking about. Sure. Yeah, I'm looking at an IMDb page for this, and there's not even a name listed on it, not even like Stephen King writer, like nothing. It just says Talisman in development, and that's it. It's crazy. You know what the weird thing is? I could have sworn years and years ago there was a trailer for it. But I think maybe it was just like a uh, a fan film that I'm remembering. Yeah. That mm-hmm. this is our weekly segment where Noah gets confused by fan made <laughs> trailers. It's getting worse every year. Well, what else did you watch, Doug? Uh, let's see. Well, I have no idea what our release schedule is like right now, but yeah. we we're recording this in December. So I started into the Christmas horror films. Mm-hmm. And uh, remember last year I watched Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 and 3. Yeah. <laughs> so this year I watched 1 and 4. 
because you know sure um i have a bit of a controversial take on part one okay i think it might be a, i think it might be a good movie <laughs> i i don't it's been a long time since i watched it because normally like when you want to laugh at it you watch two right yeah but i don't know one it's got like some good good stuff in the opening with like the creepy grandpa and the <laughs> weird like rapist santa <laughs> the raping santa um, on the side of the road yeah like it's it's strange but it's relatively well executed and it it leads to like you it, it's almost like in a prototype for rob zombies halloween where it's like we just get the first bunch of the movie is just like look at all this fucked up shit that happened to this kid he's going to be pretty messed up later don't you think and then when something finally sets him off the last the last little bit of the movie is just him killing everybody because some genius decided to put him in a a guy who's been traumatized by christmas they're like let's let him work at a toy store they don't talk about christmas much in toy stores i don't think (laughs) but like i think it's it's obviously suffers from low budget 80s acting um that's an issue Mm -hmm. but i think the story's solid i think the kills are good towards the end i think it's a logical build towards making him into this killer um i think you know i I do think guy with axe in santa suit is effective as a horror like visual so i think it's i think it's a good movie i I don't know probably i don't think many people believe that (laughs) you know Um, now part four is is a different discussion well before we get there let me just jump in because I was like, hey, you know what? I've never watched part past part two of this series. So maybe this Christmas, okay. this will be my, like, I'm going to catch up on the others. Spoiler yeah. warning, I've, I've abandoned this already because I watched part three. Okay. And, and that one's pretty fucking terrible. I believe that's kind of what I said last year. <laughs> uh, so Ricky, who is in the second one, and I don't remember... What happens in the second one? Does he get shot at the end? Something like that. Yeah, Maybe. well, turns out he didn't die. So he's okay. still alive. They've reconstructed his brain, and somehow now he looks like Bill Mosley. And where's mm-hmm. this clear dome on the top of his head that you can see his brain in? But he has some weird, weird dream therapy with some psychic blind girl. <laughs> and when he comes out of his coma, decides to stalk her back to her grandma's house her mom's house or whoever that that was and kill a bunch of people along the way but god this movie was bad like the whole yeah. christmas part of it doesn't make it is like not a factor there's no like it's christmas and i'm pissed so i'm gonna start killing people it literally is just i need to find this girl so i'm gonna head that way and try to like like i'm gonna hitchhike and then I'll kill that guy and steal his clothes in his car. And then I'll stop at a gas station and kill that guy. But there's no, like, killing people because they've been naughty or any Christmas-related stuff whatsoever. But then he just shows up and it tries to kill her and her brother. And it was kind of terrible. Yeah. So, so you got to tell me about part four. If part four is decent, it's... I may keep going, but... Part three, well, definitely threw me off the tracks already. Part three, I'll tell you, like, 
that's how far I got last year, right? Last year, my intention was to watch as many as possible, and I got to three. So, um, four is a very, very different film from that. <laughs> so, completely unrelated to yeah. the other movies. Weirdly, um, weirdly, from what I heard, this is the idea that the producers had for the third one. And then they brought in the director, Monty Hellman, and he hated the script. So he rewrote his own, and then we got three out of that. And so then when that was did really shitty, they're like, well, let's go back to the one script we had. And then they made that for part four. Okay. So I, I'm reasonably confident that somewhere in there, this script was not called Silent Night, Deadly Night, and that they edited in a couple of Christmas scenes just to make it seem appropriate. Also possible. Um, now, that doesn't mean that that didn't happen before part three got made. <laughs> They're just like, we still have the script. I don't know when in the process they decided, like, yeah, we'll just make it Christmas so we can use the title. Um, but it's about this young female reporter who's investigating uh, a potential suicide or spontaneous combustion, depending on how you look at it, um, and gets sucked into this weird little cult thing and is initiated into it. That doesn't sound like a Silent Night, Deathly Night movie, does it? <laughs> no. It's very weird. I have no idea exactly what this movie's about. Um, I know it opens and closes with people on fire jumping off buildings. So that's a nice touch. <laughs> uh, I know Clint Howard is all over the fucking place in this movie. Oh, Clint uh, Howard's in this? Oh, yeah. Sold. sold. You, so if you want to see Clint Howard bite a guy's Achilles tendon off. <laughs> Who doesn't? This is, this is the movie where you'll get to see that. It's he is like I think he's supposed to be like like, like this I don't know if these chicks are like a coven of witches. I think that's not the right word, but that's the best way to describe them for like as far as like to put them in the context of what you can imagine they'd be like. And he's like their slave guy or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, like how Dracula has his brides, they have Clint Howard. <laughs> <laughs> um so there's that. There's a bunch of weird like visuals as the girl is getting like sucked into this cult. Like it's symbolically shown through her constantly being surrounded by bugs, sometimes normal sized bugs, sometimes giant sized bugs. Sometimes she has to eat them. Um, but it's weirdly effective when they do all that. And I, yeah. I almost just want you to watch it and tell me if it's good or not. Cause I don't know. <laughs> it's like, there's some weird body horror moments in this movie that are really quite well done. Like, like very Kron Kronbergian, uh, but also Clint Howard biting a guy. And <laughs> at one point, Clint Howard just like holding giant bugs up to the screen for the audience to see. <laughs> it's very, very weird. I haven't even discussed the sex scene yet. I'll let you see that on your own. Oh, I hope um, it's Clint Howard. <laughs> we'll talk about it after you watch it so I'm looking at the trivia and it says the basis of the film script was originally meant for the third movie but ended up being used here after the makers of that film turned on the original script so it just as the basis maybe they didn't write it out beforehand I don't know because um, honestly most of this movie has nothing to do with Christmas and then just whenever the, the main character when she goes back to her boyfriend's house mm -hmm. her boyfriend's family is celebrating Christmas, but I don't get the impression anyone else in the movie is. 
<laughs> so that's why I'm saying it just feels like they edited in Christmas to those two scenes. Uh, this is the first time. This marks the first time the series doesn't involve a killer Santa, which probably yeah. suffers from. And this marks the first of two times Clint Howard plays a character named Ricky. Um, okay. It is unclear if he's playing the same character from the first two films. Well, he doesn't have a plastic oh, dome I on top it's... of his head. I think it's pretty obvious he's not. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, we know what Ricky looks like. I mean, granted, he looks different in every movie, but not that different. Not Clint Howard different. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great, though. Just eh, Clint Howard's playing him now. We're not going to explain that whatsoever. I don't think I don't think it could be the same character. I never got that impression. Do you know what the, the biggest failure of Silent Night, Deadly Night 4 is? Wow. So it's like, it's a female-driven horror movie, right? So they do the thing where they try to add in, like, feminism. Mm. But they're so fucking bad at it. <laughs> so at one point, like, she's, like, trying to get a story. She's, like, an up-and-coming reporter. She's trying to get a story, and then she's, like, you know, she's going to prove how badass she is because she's just going to go do the story even though they told her not to. And it's like, oh, that's that's kind of progressive, except that happens in the same scene where she's sleeping with one of the more senior uh, reporters and tries to get him to influence the boss. She's like, since I'm your girlfriend, you go influence the boss for me so that he'll let me write this story. And then the boss is yelling at her and, and points out that, no, her real job is to write the classifieds. So it's like. <laughs> wait a second if you write the classifieds at a paper no you don't get to go do the story about the person who was on fire when they fell off a building of course you don't get to make that leap and second of all it's not feminism to go do it on your own if your first try was to sleep with a guy and get him to get you promoted <laughs> very few feminists sleep their way to the top <laughs> it was just it was just so funny to watch it and you're just like they clearly want to do it and they just don't know how it's like Maybe behind the scenes, you should have hired a female writer to give you your feminism. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. They didn't know what they were doing. No, it's just, it's just funny. Like, watching them fail that bad at it's funny. <laughs> <sighs> I, don't, I don't know what else to say about that movie. I want you to watch it so that we can discuss it again and you can tell me if it's good or not. <laughs> Mm. All right. Maybe I'll give it a shot. We'll see if I can talk myself into it. All right. Again, completely just don't think of it as a sequel to part three. Just <laughs> it's its own thing. All right. And then I don't know if you watch that, then we'll watch five at the same time. So we can come back. together. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anything else? Uh, no, that's all I really have to talk about. Nah. I've been rewatching Seinfeld, but I don't think we need to get into that. Oh, Seinfeld's great. Yeah. Um, let's see. I uh, don't need to talk about it too much, but I did watch that documentary Clerk that you had mentioned a couple episodes ago. Oh, yeah. Yep, complete uh, fluff piece. If I learned pretty much absolutely nothing new, but it still is fun to right. sort of revisit yep. all that stuff. Uh, let's see, we watched 8-Bit Christmas the other night. Which uh, is the new sort of modern retelling of a Christmas story. But it's a kid who the only thing he wants for Christmas is a Nintendo. 
And so it's all the trials and tribulations of him in the 80s trying to figure out how to get his own Nintendo. It's a lot of fun. We really enjoyed it. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris does the, uh, the sort of wraparound where he's telling his daughter all about it. But then, like, in the flashback stuff, he's narrating over top of it. So, very much comes off like a Christmas story, but it involves stuff on... That's, that's a tough thing to... Uh, yeah. Tough thing to pull off, so if it's good, that's an accomplishment. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, it doesn't succeed at everything, but it was still, like, a lot of fun. Steve Zahn plays the kid's dad back in the 80s, so... I always appreciate seeing Steve Zahn and stuff. Um, and then the other thing is, a friend of mine was over last night. He's like, hey, do you want to watch some, some stuff? And I was like, sure. So I was like, what should we watch? And he then told me he's never seen a single episode of Tales from the Crypt. Oh. So... So I had him watch the Christmas one from the first season all through the house with the uh, crazy Santa trying to break into the house. And I think that's one of my favorite episodes. So that was a good time. And then I was like, you know what? We should just watch uh, the movie Demon Knight because it's a lot of fun. And I knew it would have a bunch of stuff that he would be into. And maybe that would help lead him into watching more episodes of the show. So we ended up watching Demon Knight. He absolutely loved it. Just that weird, like dark humor aspect of of the of the uh, the movie, which I'm like, yeah, this is pretty much pretty much get the same sort of feeling in most of the episodes. And then you know the weird creature work, which was done really well. Uh, Billy Zane, of course, was just completely over the top. It's a great performance from him. So, yeah, we watched that. We had a lot of fun with it. And plus, who doesn't like seeing uh, Dick Miller surrounded by topless women in that weird fantasy sequence he has? I was like, he's probably like, this is the best movie I've ever made in my entire life. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so if you haven't rewatched Demonite in a while, I would say give it a watch. Still holds up really well. We had a great time with it. Finally, a Dick Miller role where he doesn't have to get killed by a killer robot. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, so what are we doing next episode, Doug? Uh, I'm, I've been struggling with this and ignoring a lot of the other things you guys have said this podcast while I struggled. <laughs> okay. Um, let's get weird. <laughs> we haven't? <laughs> you haven't heard what I'm about to say. Let's right. get into Don't Torture a Duckling. And a lizard in woman's skin. Oh. Well, that's next week's show. Yeah. Weird uh, giallo-esque type chef, huh? Yeah. Both first time watches for me. The Yeah, they will be with me too. So I don't even really know what they're about, to be honest. Uh, if they're giallo, I'm assuming somebody with black gloves is killing women in some... That, that doesn't seem too far-fetched. Strangulation or stabbing sort of situations and then uh, apparently we'll be shocked by who it ends up being at the end. Or will we? Or will, will we? we predict it very early? It'll either be we'll predict it very early on or it'll be a character that didn't exist in the rest of the movie so there's no <laughs> way to predict it. It's one of those two. Also true. So, well, that'll be a lot of fun. I haven't watched some Giallo in a while. Yep. 
Uh, all right. Do you want to talk some Hawkeye before we sign off? Yeah. So what? There's three episodes of Hawkeye. Three episodes we watched. There's three episodes left. Do you want to go episode by episode, or should we just go over it as a whole? Uh, I'd say we probably just go over it as a whole. All right. Um, so the series falls around someone, Kate Bishop, who accidentally ends up wearing the Ronin suit through uh, one hijinks ensued uh, action scene. And this catches the attention of some local, uh, local, <laughs> what the fuck would you call them? Like organized crime, but they're like the ones that wear the track suits. So they're kind of a big joke, but. They're, I they're do believe their names. name is the track suits. <laughs> That's what Hawkeye calls them. Yeah. And so when Hawkeye finds out the Ronin suit has been out and about, he's like, fuck. So he feels responsible, finds this girl like, well, we got to get you sort of out of their radar. And he's sort of uh, committed to helping her sort of get her away from this Ronin situation and then hopefully put the Ronin situation to bed forever. Uh, on the other side, her mom's boyfriend seems to be very shady and somehow involved in all this. And so there's nobody, nobody with that kind of a mustache isn't evil. It's, it's, no, no. it's the most obvious like foreshadowing in history no. is just having him look evil. Well, me and Amanda were watching and I'm like, as soon as he pops up, I'm like, well, that guy's evil. I know he's evil. I don't know why I know he's evil, but he's evil. And so I looked up the actor, and he's uh, he's Salamanca on uh, fucking Better Call of Saul, which is the uh, Breaking Bad uh, spinoff. So he showed up last season as this guy trying to... Uh, he's like his uncle is the one in charge of whatever drug, drug organization that got going on that Saul is now finding himself sort of involved with if you're watching better call Saul and he comes in and he smiles all the time is very like sounds very positive the whole time, but it's obvious that he would smile at you in your face while he puts a knife in your stomach. Like he's one of those characters. And so he scares you and terrifies you at, you know, but yeah, so as soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, I don't like this guy. He's evil. Didn't even know why, so I looked he's him a, up, and I was like, oh, that's why. He's he's a deep cut character. A swordsman. I kind of assumed he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. swordsman. Just called swordsman. He's he's a guy. He's pretty good at fighting with a sword. That's, that's clever name. <laughs> Supposedly in the comics, didn't he help? Did he, is he the one who taught Hawkeye how to shoot really good or something i i honestly can't remember that's that's what i've seen in a couple of the videos that he was the one who helped hawkeye learn archery back uh where were they i don't know they were i don't remember but somehow he's he's connected to teaching hawkeye i don't think that's going to be the case in this one because honestly jeremy renner looks like he's older than he is but um that's originally what his character was, at least. I mean, so far I'm digging all the characters. I like mm-hmm. I like the chick that got playing Kate Bishop. Yep, she's good. Uh, yeah, I kind I like of, her. I'm enjoying what they're doing 
with Hawkeye with the fact that he's kind of got all this uh, guilt that he's carrying around and he's going deaf. And mm. I thought that was interesting because I know they did it in the comics, but I haven't read those um, those uh, runs, so I have no idea if it's even close or the explanation's the same. But I like that it's just a very plausible explanation where somebody asks, like, oh, what happened? Why are you losing your hearing? And then cut to a montage of his character from the other movies, like Next flying explosions every yeah, second, yeah. <laughs> flying through windows, everything exploding around him. Well, I, yeah, one of the things I like is that they're doing the theme of he's facing the consequences for everything he's done. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously the Ronin stuff is right there, but I like the idea that even the stuff he did well, there's still consequences to that. Like, you know, sacrificing your life and, you know, to help others. Yeah, there's a downside to that, too. And it's the obvious downside is he's losing his hearing, but also he's, you know, mm-hmm. constantly away from his family and all that. I, I think they're doing a very good job of building this world where it's like, so Kate Bishop is who she is because of what Hawkeye did in New York. But look at what he's had to sacrifice. And now he's being asked to sacrifice even more in order to, uh, in order to save her again, kind of thing. And it's like, no matter how much he gives, he's never done giving. I think that that's kind of one of the themes. Like you, when you choose to become a hero, you're a hero and there's, you're going to pay the price for that forever. Yeah. I do like how they, um, they're sort of pushing that he doesn't even like being, he doesn't even like talking about it, but there's constant reminders of everything. They play up very much that there's a Rogers, the musical, which is a uh, broad Broadway take on the battle of New York and stuff with the Avengers. They make a joke that the character of Ant-Man is in it and he wasn't even there, but uh, and then he's just like, you know, he turned his hearing aid off and his daughter's like, are you not watching? He's like, I don't need to watch it. Like I was there. I remember all this stuff. And he just hates yeah. that they're almost like glamorizing it. And then he takes the family out to dinner and the restaurant's like, oh no, your bill's taken care of. You don't, you know, you, you don't pay here. And he's like, oh no, no, like I can't. And they're just like insisting that he doesn't pay. And you can tell he's like really uncomfortable with it. He's like, I don't. Yeah, I don't I don't like that you are this nice to me about it because that's not what that whole thing was about. Yeah, and it's I think it's interesting because there's the the duality of it. Some of it is just I did, though, did that because it was the right thing to do and I wasn't doing it for the reward. And I don't want I don't want to be rewarded because then it's like I did that for the paycheck kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um there's also, I think, the guilt of everything that happened when he was acting as Ronan and constantly being told, oh, my God, you're a hero. Oh, my God, you're this great guy. And knowing that there's a dark side to that and knowing that, you know, like he should technically be in jail. Like that would be the real consequence to the whole Ronan thing would be technically you should get arrested and charged with a whole bunch of murders, like a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the, the idea that, oh, well, I only killed bad guys that works in a comic book. But if we're setting this up as a real character and giving him depth, it's like the guilt of knowing how much he's done wrong. And the fact that he's gotten away with it is intense. Mm. 
And I think they're doing a good job of kind of like not saying that. Like they're not saying, oh, look, he was a bad guy and now he feels guilty about that. What they're both what they're doing is they're making sure that he never gets to be particularly happy and he never gets to do what he wants to do, which he just wants to be with his kids. Right. That's what he wants mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. When he went out to dinner with his kids, he, he just wanted to get left alone. He didn't want anyone knowing who he was and he doesn't get what he wants because he's a flawed character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I do find it interesting how uh, Kate Bishop's always telling him that he needs to work on his brand. She's like, you need to work yeah. on your branding. You need to, like, here's a costume. She draws, like, a very, like, stick figure sort of costume. But weirdly enough, it is his original costume from the comics, which makes it funny. But then he brings up the points. He's like, I was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. You don't, you wear black. You don't do something, like, neon purple that's going to stand out. So you end up getting yeah. shot at by everybody. So I just think it's funny that they're making that distinction of he's not necessarily a superhero in this universe like he is in the comics. He's 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 a shield agent and that's about as far as it goes. He's just really good at archery. Yeah. I like the chick they've got playing Echo. Yeah, she was good. Which is good. I don't know that character at all. Spinoff series for her. Mm -hmm. She's she's Daredevil. I mean, Daredevil with yeah. with hearing loss instead of vision loss. Yeah. So if we're going to talk about villains, might as well say it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they've all so, said it already. So either yeah, they're doing I mean, so the King... ultimate troll or they're setting up for the Kingpin to come back. Either right. way, I'm all I'm all aboard. Uh, if it's if it's a troll, <laughs> it might legitimately hurt there's my no feelings. <laughs> there's no way no, no, no. it can't be at this point you can't have the you can't have the voice show up like even if even if kingpin isn't in this as a major character mm-hmm. like he exists in the universe now right so supposedly they're they're weirdly tried to disconnect themselves from the Netflix stuff, but it seems like Kevin Feige is coming back around because I think he just announced that whenever they are going to use Daredevil again, re- remotely yeah, soon. Spider Man will be out by the time. Yeah, but Charlie Man will be out before we see this, right? So yeah, that uh, Charlie Cox will be playing Daredevil again. So they're at least. Seems like they're at least trying to pull that stuff over now where they kind of distance themselves from it originally. So, I mean, if you're yeah. if you're bringing Kingpin back, I mean, I feel like you can't have anybody but Vincent D'Onofrio play him because he did such an amazing job on that Daredevil yeah. series. I feel like the only bad thing about the uh, Netflix stuff, because I'm the type of person, I don't want to see somebody get their feelings hurt. Mm-hmm. But how fucked up would it be if they were like, hey, we're bringing back all of the Netflix people because everyone loves them and everybody's like, yay. And they're like, except for the guy who played Iron Fist, we're going to pretend like that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, they have turned Iron Fist into an Asian character in the comics. Maybe they'll do that here. Maybe. Yeah, I think it's a wait and see scenario. I don't know that we uh, have the information we need. Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe they could bring him back, bring back that character, but 
have him sort of pass it off to somebody else that would make a lot more sense. Well, yeah. I mean, one of the nice things about the Iron Fist character is it's really easy to pass off Mm -hmm. who the Iron Fist is. Yeah. Seems like something they could tie into Shang-Chi and have it work a lot better than what it did on its own as a Netflix series. I mean, technically, it's pretty tied into Hitmonkey right now, which is crazy. (laughs) They they dropped, they name dropped uh, dragons in this as well, right? So we know that that, that's obviously they didn't name drop reference dragons by mistake this close to Shang-Chi coming out. I'm just saying, the closer we get to Fing Fang Foom, the better everybody else is. <laughs> Need them purple booty shorts. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, so three episodes left. Any? Uh, obviously, we're we're hoping hoping for a kingpin reveal. Is there anything else we're hoping to see? Kingpin reveal? I don't. I still haven't figured out if they're going to kill Clint or not. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I feel like there's still some more mileage they can get out of that character before. I think there is, but I also feel like maybe Jeremy Renner is done. I think so. And maybe Disney's done with Jeremy Renner. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's not a Scarlett Johansson situation, so there is still hope. Well, he has caused, you know, he's caused a couple problems with his mouth. Because he tends to, <laughs> I mean, he, he gets in an interview and says something and you're like, dude, <laughs> why, why would you make that joke or something? You know what I mean? Hmm. And then I know the agreements from, from what I understand, the agreements he had going in, I think Disney has not lived up to their end of the bargain. Mm. And he might be burned out because from what I understand, whenever he came in, it was like under the condition that they make the character super comic book accurate and they give him an accurate suit and they give him an accurate this and that and the other thing. And they didn't do any of it. Well, except they're kind of doing it now, right? If they do like this, I mean, they made a joke out of the purple suit, you know, Mm hmm. Well, I think I've seen pictures. He is getting a version of the purple suit and obviously not with the face wings and the giant H on the top of his head, but I don't know. I would be happy just with him in a purple suit. Yeah. Uh, we see in Yelena from Scar from, uh, from Scarlet Widow from Black Widow. We're going to see her in the next three episodes. I don't know. I don't see why not. It Like the connection obviously makes sense. Yeah, I mean, they set it up in the Black Widow movie that what's-her-face uh, Elaine from Seinfeld was sending sending her after Hawkeye because she told her that he was the one responsible for uh, Natasha's it, death. It would be interesting if the actual setup for this isn't to kill Clint off, mm-hmm. but to recruit him into the Thunderbolts. Mm-hmm. To use like the Ronin against him as leverage or whatever. Yeah. Which would that be kind sense. of, it would be a cool idea. Cause I mean, technically, like Dark Avengers, they had uh, Bullseye in the Hawkeye costume, kind of pretending to be him or whatever. Mm-hmm. In this version, it could just be him. And then you've got a uh, proven known quantity to lead the team to make more interest in the movie. Yeah. Or TV series, whatever the fuck they're doing with it. Mm-hmm. 
could we maybe twist that and just hope for a West Coast Avengers movie? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> we have, well, we're done with regular Avengers, so if we get to West Coast Avengers and Young Avengers, there's lots of room left. <laughs> lots of different teams. See? It all works out. Well, young young Avengers is screaming toward us really, really fast. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Mm. Yeah, I don't see how they're. They it's almost silly if they're not doing it at this point. Yeah, I was gonna say you don't introduce three quarters of the team in a year's span <laughs> if you're not planning on doing something with it. They're Marvel; they'll do what they want. Well, we tell you what teams to like. <laughs> they do, they do tend to do that. <laughs> Did they remember when they were making a Captain America movie and everyone was like, why would anyone want to see that? And then he became everybody's favorite character. <laughs> I remember being excited for it. I remember see, I remember Iron Man coming out and a bunch of people being like, I can't believe they're risking everything on Iron Man. Nobody knows who the fuck Iron Man is. And I was like, every single person who has ever read a comic book knows who Iron Man is. Like, you are underestimating how many fucking nerds there are in the world. <laughs> Turns out you were right. Uh, I still think those movies only get huge when they expand to a normie audience. And it was still a huge risk to expect normies to give a shit about our Iron Man. I think most of them know who he is conceptually. All the all the stars were right for that movie. If it hadn't been John Favreau directing and the the miracle that is Robert Downey Jr. fucking saving his entire <laughs> career with one shot. I mean, I just don't know how that movie goes over. <laughs> it is no, incredible just... to think about. I've seen posts like this before where it's just like, do you remember this? And it's like the shot of him like in his orange L.A. County uh, prison jumpsuit standing in front of the judge. And it's just like. He went from that to fucking Robert Downey Jr. that everybody knows and loves now. <laughs> right. Like, that's an amazing turnaround. Right. But I it mean, like... it's just, it's incredible going from completely eliminated from the celebrata to top of the pile. <laughs> yeah. Nobody would even remotely take a risk on, like, there's no no way we're going to hire him because he's too much of a a danger to any production he's a part of to... Oh, man, if Robert Downey Jr.'s in something, it's going to make a billion dollars. Unless well, it's do little. Well, there's that. We don't. We don't. <laughs> but I was going to say, and he saved uh, What's-His-Face's career, too. Uh, God damn it. Why is my brain not working? The dude who plays Vision. Oh, Paul Bettany? Yeah, yeah Paul Bettany. Because supposedly he was he was done, you know. <laughs> Even his agent and stuff was like, you're done. You're never going to get another role in Hollywood. <laughs> And then they were like, hey, could you be the voice of Jarvis? And he was like, yes, <laughs> please. Did they say a specific reason why he was done? No, it's just something weird. Like people just stopped casting him. Hmm. Right. Well, he had a couple you know, of he had had like a run. Movies. Yeah, he had had a run and he was kind of a teen heartthrobby kind of guy. And then once he was old to the point that that wasn't a sellable thing anymore. I think people just didn't give a shit. I mean, before before he was Jarvis, what was the last big thing he was in? Maybe a Knight's Tale? Yeah, he was in like 
a couple of like weird horror movies that I saw and then regretted seeing. Back in the day, we were making those weird like actiony type horror movies. Oh yeah, who's in that movie? Priest. That's the one you're thinking of. Oh yeah, and Priest bombed. I think I actually didn't see Priest because I didn't like him in something else. I remember thinking, oh, it's the same as another one. Let's see, 2001. 2001, he was in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It's a pretty good one. Not that that one would have saved his career. That didn't do super well either, but it's still a pretty fantastic movie. Uh, 2006. Oh, he did The Da Vinci Code like two years before Iron Man. Oh, I haven't seen that, but yeah. that was did big. well. Yeah, that was a big movie since that was a big book. Not saying it was good. Like those movies, <laughs> those movies are okay. I was, <laughs> I was gonna say, but the problem is, is do you remember Paul Bettany from Da Vinci Code, or do you remember Tom Hanks from <laughs> Da Vinci Code? <laughs> no, specifically, I remember Tom Hanks's hair from The Da Vinci Code. I would oh, that say that sounds like a compliment. <laughs> that's the big thing is every every movie that he's in that was good, he was being overshadowed by somebody, and every one that he was kind of in the spotlight didn't do well which wasn't his fault like it's not his fault that priest bombed yeah that maybe legion but of course that legion came out after iron man so a legion might be the one i'm thinking of that i hated him yeah they both seem like the same movie so i don't even try to tell them apart Uh, priest and legion uh, yeah they're not remotely the same movie (laughs) I don't know. I mean, from from what I remember, because I never watched either one of them, they both looked like that dark, weird CGI like sort of look to them. So I never bothered to watch either one. Uh, I never saw a Priest, so I can't say it's the same. But if it looked enough the same, okay, Priest. Imagine shitty Blade, right? Mm-hmm. Played by a white guy. Yeah. There you go. Well, in in Legion, he plays an archangel named Michael, who fights off demons at a diner. So, see, I I actually liked yeah. Legion a lot. I know a lot of people yeah. weren't into it, but I don't know. I didn't see it. Uh, started with Dennis Quaid. Yeah, I remember really genuinely disliking it. I can't. I haven't seen. It. I think I saw it in theaters. And I remember it was one of those ones where I think like I knew I wasn't going to like it like a minute in. And it was just like, oh, God, I'm stuck here. <laughs> well, I thought it, I think it's one of those things that I think maybe they were overconfident about what that movie could do. And they thought it was going to be something like a like prophecy. You know what I mean? Where it's like, ooh, we're going to make 5,000 shitty sequels and make a bunch of money. I don't know. I don't remember. I remember thinking Dennis Quaid was trying to play like an old man in it too. And it was like, he wasn't good at it. And I'm like, but he is kind of an old man now. He should be good at that. (laughs) Right. Which is why they should have just put in Harrison Ford because he's just Dennis Quaid (laughs) 10 years in the future (laughs) at all times. (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. I'm still not 100% convinced they're not two different people. I think they might be one guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so they had so they had a TV show called Dominion that was a sequel to Legion on the Sci-Fi Channel. And apparently it lasted two seasons and then it got canceled. That sounds about right. Hmm, interesting. Uh, well, now that we're talking about the uh, career of Paul Bettany, I'm assuming we're done talking about Hawkeye. 
I guess we're game over. Uh, we're so inco- incapable of being on the subject. Yeah, like I said, I, I don't know. Hawkeye's good. It is good. Yeah, is I, a- I like the Christmas theme to it. <laughs> Me too. It weirdly does add a little spirit lifting to it, which seems weird. Doesn't seem like it should. But just the fact it's set in a Christmas time, and for somebody like me who hates Christmas, it actually does make me smile a little bit. Which we should oh, also mention about it. We should also mention uh, Pizza Dog. Also makes me very, very much <laughs> smile. I enjoy Pizza Dog, and I like. I'm not really a dog guy. You guys know that, but I, I like that one. It's a dog who lives on pizza and only has one eye. I do one adorable. I do like the fact that they keep making the joke of not naming the dog. <laughs> well, it's funny because every time she tries to name it, he only like the dog wants to be called Pizza Dog. <laughs> well, the that dog's in the comic books, and its name's been changed like twelve times. <laughs> oh, was that right? Yeah, its name was I didn't know like they the named it. Was. They named it Arrow, and then oh, I can't remember what else they renamed it something else. But in the comic books. Kate Bishop would call it pizza dog, which is where the whole pizza dog joke comes from. But yeah, I can't feed my dog pizza. It'll make her sick. Otherwise, I'd just start making her my pizza dog. Pizza dog. You eat this pizza. I don't care if it makes you sick. You'd be like the dog on TV. (laughs) Come on. I got to poke one of your eyes out. It has to be accurate. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.